Hello there and welcome to episode two of uh, our Burgundy in a nutshell podcast. In the first part, we talked about Chablis in particular and the white wines and of course, a couple of other things, you know, César, a very interesting variety in, uh, in Irancy. And uh, there's a lot, lot to d- discover. But now we're going to, uh, to the southern part, south of Dijon. And this is actually where Côte d'Or starts, right? I mean, the Côte d'Or is divided in two sections. Northern part, Côte de Nuit around the New Saint-Georges, the Côte right? More north of New Saint-Georges, between New Saint-Georges and, um, and Dijon. And the Côte de Beaune, around the center of Beaune, you could say the capital of the Côte d'Or, right? In terms of wine production and wine culture and wine trade, definitely the Beaune area, uh, all the way south to, uh, to, yeah, before it turns into the Côte de Chalonnais. Today, we're going to talk about Côte de Nuit, our first village, and we're going by village by village. This is a historical area in terms of ge- uh, geology. It's very interesting. It goes back to 155 to 135 million years into the Jurassic period, which was during the time underwater. Limestone is due to the rise of the soil and the movement down of the water. Limestone has been created with different thickness, different permeability, different colors, different clay uh, content, different hardness. Some of them have, you know, fossils even, the Biosians, uh, which usually in the lower sides. And then we have the Batonian soil, softer marl and pink marble, which is usually upper side. Not just the soil. When we talk about what makes the wines, it's not just the soil itself but it's also the local climate, of course the vintage, the weather as well. But talking about generalization, the soil and the climate is, in terms of nature, very, very important. You have in the Côte de Nuit area, you have more Pinot Noir, and Pinot Noir is dominant as being a variety, so this is kind of set. So what is important? The soil and the climate. And the climate is shaped and formed by the different valleys, uh, exposures to the wind, to the wind movement. And one of the important things is also combs. The combs, the valley which was just opened up, valleys created by erosion. These combs, these valleys created by erosion, they're not just bringing soil down, but they're also opening up for cooler air movement. So this is also something which influences very much. So soil plus climate, this is, this is part of the climat. The Klima system, which is since 2015 part of the UNESCO World Heritage. So geology in a nutshell and climate in a nutshell. So the first village is the first village is Marsanet. Marsanet is very interesting because Marsanet is literally the only village in the Côte d'Or which is allowed to make on the village level not just white and red but also rosé wines. This goes back to, to 1919 to uh, Joseph Claire who had the idea that, that we should also make some rosé marketed because Marsanet was a kind of a hidden gem in a way. It had been very late that they started to use the village name and then Couchet, you have, uh, you have uh, Chenov beside Marsanet, two other communes which are part of the appellation. So they were very, very late in starting to market their own smaller entity as Marsanet, AOC. Rosé was a welcomed idea back, uh, back in that time. So we are an elevation of between 255 and 390 meters. The Ouche River is important because it broke some deposit down, so you have a bit thicker soil. And this may not always be the best thing when it comes. You have from the Jura period, you have the Biosians and Batonian layers, of course, and you have the influence of the comps. So the wine is a little bit more cooler, there's a bit more sturdiness, a bit of more grippiness. Marsanet. Usually, in, Rosé is usually in the lower side and they, they like to use uh, whole bunches and, uh, and maceration. Next village from the south, Marsanet, the next one is Fissin. 
you have uh, Bruchon also, which is part of the Fisan, and they have Fisan Fixe, uh, so F-I-X-E-Y, and you have F-I-X-I-N. So Fixin and Fixe, they're both basically when we talk about Fisan, Fixing, <laughs> visa. Now there's no rosé, of course, here anymore. So you have just you just have white, you just have white and red. And visa, you have a little bit more clay. This maybe give a little gives a little bit of rusticity as well. Now, in uh, Marsanne you had no premier cru. In visa, you have. In visa, you have a couple of uh, premier cru. You have also some monopoles within this ludi. Of course, the monks played a very important uh, role as well, as well as Claude no Noiseau. No Noiseau, Noiseau, Claude Noiseau. He was one of the generals for Napoleon, and when he came back from the war, became famous. I think attached to the to the town as well. So there are some ludis uh, be named like Claude Napoleon after Napoleon, and as well there's also a statue of Napoleon itself in the village. Moving on to the next village is Gevre-Chambertin. And this is interesting because you had Marsanet, you had Fissin, and now you have Gevre-Chambertin. And you have a vineyard called Le Chambertin in the village itself. And this is interesting because Gevre-Chambertin was the first village who put maybe the most famous uh, vineyard. I mean, you know, sometimes you are very lucky if you have many great vineyards you can choose, you can pick, and you have to pick, of course, one. And um, Gevre choose Le Chambertin as as the vineyard or as the name, putting as a suffix to the village name originally. So this was kind of a marketing thing as well, because people often say Chambol, Moray, Vaughan, and so on and so on. This was originally the village name. And Gevre Chambertin was the first one back in the 19th century who used one of the most famous vineyards, Le Chambertin again in this case, to add as a suffix to the original village name as a marketing, right? I mean, this is a great idea to use your famous vineyard and uh, put it as a suffix to that. Gevre Chambertin is fairly big act. It has a lot of, lot of Grand Cru's. There's a lot of producers as well. I mean, there are more than 100 producers and they annually they're making more than 20,000 hectoliter of wines. And um, there has been a lot of story, history of Gevre. I mean, you know, the Romans, the monks, to uh, Claude de Bays, you know, very, very famous place. And, you know, the field of Bertin, Chambertin, the famous vineyard, and, and using as a suffix. And one of the well, unwritten rules is to being a Grand Cru in Gevre-Chambertin, you have to either touch Le Chambertin or Claude de Bays. So those two vineyards. And if you look at the map, right, if you look at the map, it literally that all the Grand Cru's are in one line and they're touching each other very, very nicely in a way. They're touching either Claude de Bays or Ola Chambertin. Now, Gevre Chambertin is fairly big and you do have a little bit of vineyards, village level vineyards, on, on the other side of the road as well. This may or may not be good as such. Napoleon, again, you know, talking about him, had a, had a big impact as well, that uh, during the war, they had a lot of Gevre wines when they were fighting uh, out at the, at the battles. And uh, somehow, you know, it got stolen and then they, at some point, they replicated a lot of wines during the time. <laughs> so there was already a little bit of faking going on because Gevre Chambertin had a very good uh, reputation of being a very fine wine. And of course, rightfully, I mean, it has, today, I think it has nine Grand Cru's, 26 Premier Cru's, which is quite a lot. You have a lot of red Marl as well, and, and, and limestone up there, combs, 
do influence, have the influence. If you look at the map, you have some of the comms which are coming down again, this kind of cool winds uh, from the from the Côte, the Nuit actually, coming down, that does influence uh, the, the whole uh, area. And besides some of the famous Grand Cruz, of course, there are some exceptional Premier Cruz. Historically, Gervre Chambertin, very good wines. Usually very masculine, very deep, very chunky, very rich. It's just red wine, of course. It's just Pinot Noir. It's a very deep and dense bit of masculine, a certain richness and style there, uh, which uh, happens to be there in uh, Gevre-Chambertin. The next village coming down is uh, Moray, or Moray Saint-Denis to be very precise. And here again, you have Saint-Denis, right? It's one of the last villages looked for one of their best vineyards. And who wants to argue with a saint who has been decapitated? I mean, uh, Saint-Denis. Because Maurice, Maurice has, has many fantastic uh, Grand Cru vineyards. I mean, there are four exceptional Grand Cru's and they're all on the mid-slope, all, all in one line, like Clos de Tar, Clos de Lambre, Clos de la Roche, Mont Louisan, Mont Louisan. And Mont, Mont Louisan is very interesting because Mont Louisan de Ludi has, been, has three different levels. So there's a Mont Louisan Grand Cru, there's the Premier Cru, and there's also a village level. And if you look at the map, it's very interesting because it is literally how higher you go up, how closer you get to the, to the, the forests. And the cooler it becomes, the less re reliable the whole uh, vineyard area becomes, basically. And this, in my opinion, one of the, not just the soil, but also the climate, the ripeness, is one of the crucial things that have a leaner and lighter style of red wine. So Moray Saint-Denis is 108 hectares. It actually produces also some white wine, very small amount, but it's allowed. It's, uh, it's an altitude of 280 to 320 meters, so slightly higher up than uh, Gevray. There are some really fascinating and exciting uh, Grand Cru's. A little bit neglected Moray Saint-Denis, maybe because, you know, it's just between Gevray and Chambol, two very famous and larger communes. Uh, and, um, Maurice Denis used to be, you know, blended within those uh, vines in the past. Some monopoles, of course, as well, like Claude de Tarte, and which is interesting because in the last 900 years, Claude de Tarte, I think, had only four owners. So nine, 900 years and only four owners. So you see that kind of, still that kind of continuation and uh, respect what Burgundy can gather. You have a lot of marl, iron oxide, and primo limestone. The Grand Cru's are in one line. They're literally a continuation from, um, from north to the south on, the, on this kind of eastern slope of the Côte uh, d'Or of the Or. So yeah, it's very interesting as such. The next village is Chambol, Chambol Musigny, of course, adapted from the very, very famous uh, Le Musigny vineyard itself, you know, Chambol. Chambol Musigny is on a little bit uh, more than 150 hectares. It makes also some uh, white wine, very, very little bit of uh, white wine, but it's mainly red. Elevation 250 to 300 uh, meters. And then uh, you have from Combe d'Ambin, I think Combe d'Ambin, I hope I pronounced it correctly. Combe d'Ambin, you have uh, from this uh, Combe, you have a lot of deposit, a lot of gravel, and also some limestone coming down. And you have the Batonian limestone upper in the higher areas, and the Biosian uh, limestone in uh, the lower areas. Now, Chambol is very interesting because it has a lot of uh, active uh, limestone. So the Combe did influence with the terms of water and rock, but the limestone is very interesting and it has very little clay and li little magnesium actually. And, uh, you know, of course, active limestone may have, may, may cause some chlorosis problems in the leaves. So this is an issue, of course. So this can be an issue in Chambol Musigny. 
So active limestone is very high, and some people reckon that this kind of elegance and finesse, this kind of roundness, this uh, the Chambon Musigny uh, gives. And I read this word or this kind of description, this metaphor, also at other other vineyards, other 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 villages. But I think I read it here that uh, Chambon Musigny resembles an uh, iron fist in a velvet glove. Again, there's a quote I read in one of the uh, many Burgundy books. And I think this comes up uh, often also in other, other villages as well, but I, I read it, I remember I recall it in Chambord the first time, you know, I had it. Musigny and Musigny being one of the Grand Cruz and Beaumar on the other side, so there are two Grand Cruz, Beaumar on the Maurice Saint Denis side, a bit more heavier, a bit more sturdier. Beaumar actually has a bit more clay uh, soil, and, and uh, Musigny, uh, very interestingly, a lot of active limestone. It's very different. It's on the other side. It's, it's closer to Rougeau and actually to Echezot. So it resembles more the Vaughan uh, style, very elegant, very uh, delicate. So Beaumar and uh, Le Musigny or Musigny are the two Grand Cru's in the area. And then you just have one of my favorite, and I have to mention this kind of premier cru, Les Amoureux, the, the loved ones, right? I mean, some people say, you know, because we were making love there. I don't think so. Some people saying that the, the clay, the clay sticks to your shoes, actually the silt, to be very precise, the silt sticks to your shoes so heavily in Les Amoureux that, you know, it's such a lovable soil that, you know, it loves you. Uh, that much. But looking at Leon Rose, it's, it's one of the most fantastic Premier Cruz. Uh, I mean, I remember Freddy Meunier trying uh, some uh, Leon Rose from the barrel, and then later also I had a chance to try it in bottles, other vintages as well. It is just the elegance, the delicate, it's just purely a, a super, super lovable wine. I mean, I, I just I just love uh, Leon Rose. Going to next bigger village, you know, before we enter to Vaux Romanet, it's Vougeot. Now, Vougeot, a lot of people obviously associate uh, Vougeot with Clos Vougeot, but it's not just uh, Clos Vougeot itself. Of course, Clos Vougeot being the biggest Grand Cru, it's important, but it does have four uh, Premier Crus, so the village Vougeot itself, and also some village wines as well. Of course, these are much, much smaller than the Clos itself, than Clos Vougeot itself. Uh, in Premier Cru, you can also make red and white wines. In the Grand Cru, Clos Vougeot itself, not just red, just Pinot Noir. And Clos Vougeot is very interesting because it resembles that kind of Napoleonic code that you have 50 hectares and you have 80 different or more than 80 different producers, owners, Owners is the better word, actually, not producers, because they may not produce but sell grapes or must or juice or unfinished wine. And you have a lot of other climas as well within uh, Clos Vougeot itself, because Clos Vougeot is very big, and Clos, right, means walls. It has to be surrounded at least with three walls. <clears throat> now, the walls itself can also act as a kind of um, savior against wind, so it's a kind of protection as well, but it can also cause some drainage, is drainage issues at the lower ends as well. Clos is very interesting because in the upper parts you have a lot of very good drainage, you have some sand, sandstone as well, and some clay. And then the lower part you have a little bit more marl and also a bit more clay. And the lower parts you have, uh, you may have, a, because of the wall as well, you have some drainage issues as well. The monastery, founding the monastery itself, which is uh, home of the Chateau Testavin, Today, it goes back to 1098, to the 11th century, actually, one of the smallest villages in the court itself. Interestingly, you know, the monks used to make their wine on the lower parts, and which they were selling for higher prices, so for the, for the dukes and for the kings, for the royals, on the higher parts. So people say that the middle and the higher part are usually 
there are better, better places um, <clears throat> when you ask where the wines are in that uh, particular property. But Clos is very sturdy. It has that kind of masculinity again, and it needs time to develop and give that kind of roundness and richness. So it's very interesting, Clos But you know, since it has been a Clos, and since it, it's been really one unity, nobody wanted to divide when they were drawing the appellation boundaries, um, those, uh, those parks in the past. One of my favorite village is uh, Vaughan, Vaughan Romane. And uh, Vaughan, Vaughan, it's probably the name of the forest. Vujo got its name from a small river, which is today a stream. And Vaughan, Vauna, Vaughan used to be a name of a forest, they call it. So this is a very interesting village because it has a lot of uh, ololite, primo, marl, limestone, with some pebbles in the higher parts. And you have two villages, uh, two communes actually, Von Romane, of course, and Flagge, Flagge Echezo, which is part of the whole. So overall, the size is 228 hectares, a little bit over 200 hectares, eight Grand Cruz. So this is a staggering number. If you remember, Jeffrey Chambertin had nine, but it was a much bigger area. So Von Romane, eight Grand Cruz, and uh, many Premier Cruz, I think over 15, 15 Premier Cruz. Uh, some fantastic premier crew like Les Souchots or Malconsor, one of my favorites, just uh, next to Latache. Malconsor, a fantastic premier crew. A lot of monopoles as well, right? One owner, one, prop, one, one clima, one vineyard, one owner, and the monopoles. A nearly perfect spot for Pinot Noir. It, it is the perfect spot for Pinot Noir. Some of the most elegant and rich, succulent, suave and silky. Pinots, which I ever tasted. I mean, uh, no question uh, that uh, that Vaux Romane is, uh, is among the finest of the finest, and of course, very expensive wines uh, from those Grand Crus. Um, but if you have a chance, try them. Try them because wait for them to 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 show the real beauty. I mean, this is just excellence. I cannot put it other way. You know. There's been a lot of books written and I love Burgundy because there's so much information out there when it comes to talk about Burgundy. And you can talk about the different fault lines, you can talk about the different pebble stones, the different layers of limestone and the clay content and the exposure and so on. But you have to go out and see it for yourself, see it for your own eyes and, uh, and taste the wines foremost, right? Because then you kind of get the feeling of the perfection of the elegance uh, which Vaux uh, Romane uh, has. Last but not least, capital of the Côte de Nuit is uh, Nuit Saint-Georges. And again, you know, adopted name is Saint-Georges. And um, it comes from uh, the name of Nuit, which uh, some people call like Marsh. This is the name of Marsh. Jules Verne uh, wrote about Nuit Saint-Georges and about the moon itself and the wines. Apparently, and I saw a picture of that, at the chateau at Clos Vougeot. I remember visiting it. There's a very interesting exhibition. I think it must have been 1971, or maybe earlier. I have no idea. I have to, and I don't know what the wine was, but apparently NASA named the crater on the moon after Nuit, Nuit Saint-Georges. Uh, Saint-Georges, actually, I think, to be precise. So there's a lot of history there. Nuit Saint-Georges makes white and red wines as well, but it's mainly red wines. It's a little bit over 300 hectares. There are no Grand Cruz. There are many Premier Cruz. There are 41, actually, 41 Premier Cruz. It's a mix of uh, limestone and clay. And it's interesting because it's a very long village, part which is attached to the Von Romanet, the northern side, which is definitely a bit more elegant, a bit more rounder, a bit more smoother. And then you have 
the southern part, which is going into the bone area, the Côte de Bone area, like Clou de Maréchal, for instance, being one of a, a fantastic premier cruise. And you have this kind of Comblanchien area, so Primo, which is in a southern uh, area. You do have much more clay. You have more clay in the southern areas uh, compared to the northern part. So this maybe makes the wines a little bit more heavier, more richer in style. So there's definitely a difference between north and the southern climas and the vineyards and styles of that. Very interesting, there's a Comblanchian limestone, been named after the Commune Comblanche. There's a big quarry, and they they um, they just sort of primeur prise, and they have a, they got some, uh, there's a big quarry, they dig out some marble. I think I was told that the flow of the Louvre, because it's very fragile marble, the flow of the Louvre was, uh, was set by this uh, marble. Yeah, very, very different style. Definitely the north and the south. And uh, Les Saint-Georges as being the, the eminent vineyard, Premier Cru, one of the biggest ones. But there are many, many other fine uh, climas along the way. A beautiful village, a beautiful town, actually, sorry, I should say town. We stop here and say goodbye to the Côte de Nuit and continue with our next episode and traveling further down into the Bourne area, to be precise, into the Côte de Bourne area. Bye.